Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Rain here from Tom's Big Spiders. We're going to start this one off talking about ants. No, I'm not switching the focus of my topic to insects, but I've been getting a lot of emails and questions lately about ants, and it has been apparently a pretty active year for pest control. As most of you probably know that listen to me or watch my videos, Billy is a, pest, a manager of a pest control company, so I end up getting all the inside scoop of how bad of a year it is for various pests like uh, bees, yellow jackets, not bees so much, but yellow jackets, termites are swarming, and ants. And we've already found a couple around here, including the little tiny black pavement ants and some of the carpenter ants, which we don't want to see those because we have a big farmer's porch out back. But already this year, it's it's very early in the year still, and we're getting ants here. And I think what's happening is a lot of other people are starting to get ants. So we'll talk a little bit about you know some things you can do if you get ants. It's, it's not only very inconvenient, but can be terrifying because of the fact that if you aren't aware, ants can overwhelm and kill tarantulas, slings, juveniles, adults. It doesn't matter. It's you know it's their numbers, and quite frankly, any of the other small pets we may keep. So there's been issues. I've I've read about people losing centipedes, scorpions, somebody that lost a gecko. These guys, you may think, all right, well, a little tiny ant can't take a tarantula. Well. Hundreds of little tiny ants can. So they become one of the things in the hobby that when you see ants, people tend to panic. And, and I don't blame them because we had a couple of years ago where I was doing a feeding. It was later, you know, right before bedtime. A lot of times I'll pull a couple down off the shelf and feed them before bed. So it wasn't the most convenient time to realize that there were ants crawling all over one of my shelves. So freaked out, went into panic mode. This was one of my first bouts. I'd, I'd found a couple ants in the house before, but never any in the actual transfer room. So I found a trail of them leading down where they were coming from the outside. And it was a bit of a nightmare because, again, it was like 8 o'clock at night. I go to bed pretty early because I get up early. You know, it's usually about the time I head up and do some reading or watch a show or something before I go to sleep. And here we are pulling all the stuff off the shelves trying to figure out what to do with the ants. So one of the first things you can do when you find them, you know, quickly, what, what they do is they send out the scouts. The scouts look for food, anything that's going to sustain them, water, if it's dry, or sometimes you'll see them. I know one year we had them because it was particularly dry outside, and Billy was explaining they're coming in, they're trying to find moisture, and obviously there's going to be some moisture in the transfer room, especially in some of the moisture-dependent species where they have moist substrates, so that's going to be appealing to them. So the first thing we did is pull everything down, we vacuumed the snot out of the shelves, we vacuumed the walls, we vacuumed where they were coming from, which kind of bought us a little bit of time. Now, Billy is, as I mentioned, in pest control, so one of the things you don't want to use, like Raid or any of the spray stuff that is incredibly dangerous to use around tarantulas. Honestly, you, you want to avoid any type of insecticide around your animals because obviously, although these guys are arachnids, they're very close to the insects you're trying to kill. So the effects are still the same on some of them. And a lot of these things, you know, will inhibit molting, things of that nature. Just you want to keep any types of poison out there. And again, I'm not an expert on this one. Maybe I'll get Billy on here sometime to talk about it. But the baits are nice because you put the baits down, they eat the baits, they bring them back to the other ants, they bring them to the queen, kill the whole ant colony off, and you're good. And that's usually what we end up using around here. If you do spray or have it sprayed, what you want to do is spray the exterior of the house. You can have somebody come in and they'll spray like around the foundation and everything where you may have the ants coming from outside and getting into the house, which takes care of it. Uh, we've had to do this before with the carpenter ants because, again, we have this huge farmer's deck out in the back. It's like a we have our steps and then there's a big wooden deck. 
and we've gotten carpenter ants around there, so we have to do it. But they stay outside of the house. You don't want to be spraying. You know, you don't whip out the raid and start spraying all inside. If you're going to put something inside, try to figure out where they're coming from. A lot of times you can track where they're kind of marching in. I'm always reminded of, and this is probably going to date myself, but there was, I believe it was Tom and Jerry that had the ants that would show up to the picnic and they'd, dun, 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 and they'd show up. But that's kind of how they come in. They come in a little line and they go out and explore. So if you find them all filtering in, try to use the bait in that area. They will take it and bring it back. But as far as protecting your guys in the interim, there's a couple different ways to go about it. One way that I've used before, and I had some slings at the time. This was, again, way back. And I got one of those. You can go and buy the plastic placemats from, like, Target or Walmart. You know, like, you can get kids ones or nice adult ones. They're, like, the plastic ones. And you put that down on your shelf wherever you're keeping your tarantula, especially if I use this for slings in particular because it's not going to cover a, a huge area. You're also going to go out and pick out a nice big tub of uh, Vaseline or you know petroleum jelly, whatever. And you're going to take this placemat and you're going to put a big old bead of Vaseline petroleum jelly right around the corner, you know, an inch, inch and a half thick or so. A nice, good daub with it. Keep it a little bit in from the edges because you're going to probably want to move this thing and you won't want to stick your thumb in the Vaseline. But what you can do now is put this on a shelf and then arrange your sling enclosures or, you know, it, it will work usually up to like an 8 by 8 or 8 by 12 depending on the size of the placemat. It'll give you some space. And then you can put those right in the middle of this. And what it creates is kind of a barrier and keeps the ants from getting over that Vaseline and to the enclosures. Now, back in the day, people would talk about smearing this stuff on the bottom of the cages. And I remember when I first got ants, that was what I planned on doing. But uh, petroleum jelly is nasty and it doesn't come off easily. And when you don't have the ants and you want to get it off, it's just it, it looks unsightly. It's going to get on your hands. And it's really not something you want to try to avoid getting it on the actual enclosure itself. So this is where I was trying to think, what can I do? I had my shelves and they were mounted to the wall. So we'll talk about something you can do when they're not mounted to the wall at the moment. But I put the placemats down, put the beads around it, put the things on the actual placemats, the enclosures on the placemats, and that was fine. It kept them away and it allowed me to sleep better at night, not thinking that these ants were going to come and invade and, and kill off my collection. So that's something you can do for most cages. Obviously, if you have larger cages and you want to try this trick, what I would suggest doing is putting a, getting some a blue painter's tape, nice thick, maybe two and a half inches, and running that around the bottom first. And then put the Vaseline on the tape. So eventually when you need to take it off, you can peel the tape off and it doesn't leave the Vaseline behind. Because again, anybody, I use Vaseline for my Madagascar hissing cockroaches to keep them in their enclosure. I put it around the top and I hate working with the stuff. It gets on your hands. Just, oh, just have a thing with it. So, and it gets everywhere. And if you get it somewhere, it's going to make a mess. So putting the, for the larger enclosures, take some tape. Again, I, I say the painter's tape because that's stuff you can usually use, uh, leave on for a while and it doesn't stick or get caught on it. It usually peels off very well. But you can find something else too. Um, packing tape. You could probably even put... I, I, it would have to be something adhesive because you don't want the ants getting underneath it. So just put it around the bottom of it. Rub your bead all the way around of Vaseline and that will keep them from getting up the enclosure. Now for folks who have shelves that have feet on them, another thing you can do that works very, very well because the feet, that gives you four points of contact that you just have to isolate those to keep the ants from getting up them. One of the things people will do is take the feet and put them in little dishes. You can either use the little deli cups or for bigger feet, you can use like 
I would suggest using the things you put plants in, the little clear draining uh, dishes that you can buy different sizes. Those work great. The little ones you put, basically you take your potted plant, put it in it, and it allows the runoff to go into the clear dish. And basically you'd put one of those underneath all four feet, and then you'd fill it with water or oil. Now, oil, again, I originally read oil, and I'm thinking this is kind of gross. I usually use, I believe, you can use mineral oil or vegetable oil. Both will work. Obviously, the ants get into that. They're not going to be able to get out of it. I would worry a little about a bit about the, you know, knocking one over, having it spill. It probably, if you use vegetable oil, it probably could attract some other pests. Or maybe that's why I use it, because the ants go to it and go, hmm, this smells good, and then get caught in. I don't know, but that is something people use. Uh, vegetable oil, I believe, being more common. So you basically take these little four dishes, you put them underneath the end of your shelf, the feet of your shelves, put some a little pool of vegetable oil in, and when the ants come up and try to get up those shelves, they end up in the vegetable oil. It's like putting a moat around your castle. It keeps them out. And this is another thing that can definitely work. Again, not ideal, kind of a pain in the butt, and the people that have used it said, yeah, you got to be careful. You don't kick them or accidentally knock them over, and you got to make sure you know the vegetable oil stays in there. But again, a way if it, to, to allow you to sleep at night, it will keep the ants as long as the shelving is away from the wall. Now, if, if you have a shelf that's right up flush against the wall, obviously they can go right up and get up that way. So it has to be a shelf that's kind of away from the wall with feet and you can do that. I've also heard of people taking the enclosures they have and adding feet to them. So if they have a big aquarium, say, they glue feet onto the bottom of the aquarium, larger feet. They've used, I've heard dowels being used. I've heard gluing pieces of plastic on. But anyway, basically allowing to get them to get the enclosures elevated and off of the shelf and then they use the little 2.2 ounce the little souffle cups they'll put those underneath and fill them with either water or the oil another trick is using a tray like one of those trays used to cook a turkey in or something of that nature you can put if you use an aquarium or something plastic that's obviously not going to rust, you can put one of those inside the tray and then fill the outside of it with water. So again, creating a moat around your enclosure, preventing the ants from getting to your spiders, which would also work. So again, I'm sure, I'm hoping some people will chime in with some things that the, they have done. And again, this is only to protect while you deal with the ant problem. I would not leave an ant problem untreated. I will tell you right now, I panic anytime Billy mentions anything about using any type of pesticide around the house when we had the carpenter ant thing i was freaking out about her spraying anything because i'm thinking you know what the dogs come in they the dogs might walk through it they tra traipse it into the house track it into the house then i walk in it and i get it on my hands or whatever i start panicking but we she has used it before she's assured me that it's going to be fine and and sometimes it's kind of the lesser of two evils I have a collection of probably about, oh gosh, I, I probably 200 something specimens of different, you know, centipedes, scorpions, tarantulas, uh, a couple snakes. Uh, it, it gets to the point where you got to think, all right, what's the bigger threat right now? The possibility of some of this stuff working its way in, me getting it on my hands, me getting it on a prey item so that it can be ingested by the tarantula and the tarantula ingesting it and getting, or the ants that are filing in and, and possibly going to take over my tarantula room and kill a lot of my animals that ends up being the bigger threat so i will say the first time this happened and, and i get a lot of these emails as soon as i mention the fact that they might want to use bait and stuff they freak out and i totally get it and there are people that say i don't want that stuff anywhere near my house i totally get it but it comes down to all right in the at the end of the day am i going to honestly be able to go in there in a reasonable amount of time 
and ant-proof every single one of these enclosures and shelves. And right now I can tell you that would be a pretty insurmountable task for me just because of the, the amount of animals I have. For smaller collections, you can probably get away with it. If I have a collection that fits on one shelving unit, then by all means I'm putting those little you know drainage pots underneath each of the legs and pouring some water, some oil in there, and we're good to go. I don't even have to worry about it. But for larger collections, it can be a, a, a more difficult task to try to actually – keep those ants out of there without dealing with the ants first. And again, when you have ants in your home, you don't want ants in your home. I mean, I can tell you right now, we have those little pavement ants and they're cute little guys. And and I've always been fascinated by ants. It's kind of a running joke that me and my 16-year-old like have a thing with ants. We love ants. They're neat. I, I would probably someday keep ants. I just worry about the fact if God forbid, some escape and get in my collection. So I just, right now, I just watch YouTube videos on them and stuff. But I love ants. I hate killing anything and, and I've always found them fascinating. However, it, you don't want them in your home. You don't want them popping up on your, you know, the other night Billy was cooking dinner. I go to grab my burger off the show, off the uh, stove and there's an ant on my bun. And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't need this right now. Or, you know, the carpenter ants, they're destructive. So you want to get rid of the ants. So unfortunately, I would encourage people that have these issues, deal with it, you know, deal with your ant, your collection first, make sure they're safe. And then you, your goal should be to get rid of the ants. Now for folks that are in apartments, I'm going to assume you've done the right thing and let your landlord know that you're keeping tarantulas and been, you know, and that's been okay with them because I think we've all kept pets before without telling our landlords what we have. When Billy and I moved into our second apartment, um, we, I had a, a pretty extensive, extensive snake collection. I obviously had the queen, my tarantula. Um, I had a couple other things and he had no idea until he came in. This guy was kind of a jerk anyway, so I don't really regret this at all, but I was young and stupid and he came in one day and he's like, what the is all this? And I had to kind of walk him around and go, oh, they're harmless. They're in here. You know, they're in cages. They're completely fine. They're safe. But Probably should have let him know, but we didn't want to force the issue. He told us we couldn't have dogs. We went, fine, we can't have dogs. It's totally cool. I won't mention the you know, 30 or so snakes I have. So you do want to make sure if you end up ant with ants in your apartment, unfortunately, it's going to kind of tip your hand because you are going to want to let them know that you're keeping the animals there because a lot of times what landlords will do is try to treat things as cheaply as possible. So they're going to come into your house and they're going to spray a bunch of raid around or some type of ant killer, which is not what you want. You want them to get it treated you know, correctly. Try to get them to, if they're going to treat, if they're going to do things right to spray only on the exterior of the apartments explain that your animals will be killed and and also you can go ahead and explain that it it's not worth spraying inside and then try to get them to use bait on the inside if they're going to use anything on the inside which will keep your animals safe because I get a lot of it and I feel terrible because I we did rent before and I remember what it was like when they would do certain things and you'd freak out but uh, luckily I only had the queen and one other spider at that time so it didn't become a huge deal but you know so I'll have people that it, email me in a panic because they've just been told that they're going to spray. Sometimes they spray and don't tell you. And that's, I feel for you. Anybody that's been through that situation, I completely feel for you. I will say that in most cases, I ask people, please tell me what happens and they're fine. But usually what'll happen is I'll go to my resident expert on pest control and ask Billy, like, what's going to happen if they spray this? And half the time she tells me what they're doing is wrong because she's good at her job and I can tell you that. And she knows a lot about it. And the other half of the time, she'll tell you, well, this is what they want to use. And I can basically relay that to the person asking me and hopefully set their mind at ease. But sometimes they spray. You don't know. In, in an ideal situation, they let you know, I'm going to be spraying or we plan to do this, um, whether it be I've, I've heard it for fleas, for roaches, whatever. So you do want to make sure that in those instances, you find out what they're using and ask somebody and find out if it's going to, you know, 
potentially compromise your collection. For some things they spray, you can remove the animals for like a day and bring them back and it's fine. Others are leave like a film behind a contact. It's it's very important. I'm not going to get – maybe I'll get into this in the future when I'll get Billy in on it and it'll help me out because – I think it's something people really need to know about because it's it's practical information. You're going to find yourself in a situation where if you're you know renting or whatnot, or maybe even your own home, where you have to use some type of insecticide, you have to use some type of paint control, uh, pest control, and it's good to know what to use and what the effects could be. So. If you're in an apartment, try to get them to let you know ahead of time. Find out what they're using. Always feel free to shoot me an email and I can run it by Billy. I do it a lot. And sometimes I'll just pass off the email to Billy and say, could you answer this for me? And she can at least advise you into what the best thing. Do you need to pull them out? What do you need to worry about? When can you bring them back in? You know, the the bombs, I think, are useless when they bomb the roach bomb the house. Apparently, she's told me over the years that that's not what any good, you know, pest control company does. But I could be wrong with this. And if somebody's listening to this in pest control, you know, feel free to chime in what, what you do. But again, it's an unfortunate situation, but you want to make sure the landlord lets you know and you can deal with it appropriately and hopefully – Make sure your collection isn't in harm's way. Now, a couple other things to think about is you also, for those of you who keep feeders, you want to make sure that your feeders are protected as well. So, for example, I have crickets and three different species of roaches that I use for feeders, and those can also attract ants. And unfortunately, those are usually where the pests originate from. I've had that, you know, my my tarantulas are quite clean and I have no issues there, but I will say like with the crickets, you get one cricket that dies. Next thing you know, you have 40 crickets that are dead and it can happen very, very quickly. That's always been an issue with me for crickets. Roaches take a little time to get up there, but they do create waste and the red runner roaches, the, or the Turkish reds or the bee lats, those tend to be the cleanest things I keep. The smell isn't very off-putting at all and they tend to stay rather dry. The dubia, if you got a lot of them in a, in a larger enclosure, can be nasty, become nasty quick. And then the Madagascar hissing cockroaches can get a little nasty. So you got to make sure you keep up with your roaches or your feeder colonies as well. And that's something else to consider. That's going to bring in ants big time. And they can kill off those colonies as well. I've heard of people losing entire cricket colonies because of the ants coming in, invading and killing off the crickets. They do, you know, it is one of the things that with some of them, people like to feed them fresh fruits and vegetables and, you know, different types of foods or roach chows that quite frankly are going to be appealing to an ant. It's if you've got a drought and you're feeding fresh fruit and vegetables and the ants are coming into the house, that's going to be like oasis to them. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, look at all this food. And the next thing you know, you're going to have hundreds if not thousands of ants invading that, not only eating the food, but also the feeders that are contained within. So again, you want to make sure that if you're keeping the feeders and you're seeing ants, it's time to clean them out. Like even if you've just cleaned them, clean them completely out, replace your egg cartons, replace the, you know, get the food out of there, the excess food, get the frass, all the, all the stuff, clean it completely out, put everything back in. And then again, protect it like you would the tarantula. So you probably with those cases, if you're keeping it in like a sterilite bin, you could probably do the whole tape thing. Like I said earlier, put a thing of a strip of tape around the base of it and then cover that with Vaseline to keep the ants from getting in because you don't want them in the feeders as well. Because think of it this way, even if you get just a few in those feeders and you're starting to drop the feeders in, you're going to be, you know, 
bringing the ants into the, the tarantula colony, it's something you also have to take care of. So same thing, get them if you can. A lot of, I mean, I know personally I keep my bins with the feeders as close to, they're the things that are on the lowest shelves because I don't usually put tarantulas on the lowest shelves. So they're the first thing that usually the ants are going to run into. So again, if you can put them on a shelf that stands away from the wall that has feet, you can do the whole feet trick and water or oil, put the little moats around the feet. If it's on a shelf that's against the wall, then you're going to want to do the tape and put the Vaseline around it. And if anybody listening to this has methods that they use, please chime in because I do think people go and read the different comments from other folks. And I would definitely, this would be something I'd revisit if people came up with enough good stuff. This is stuff that's worked for me, so I'm sharing it, but I'm sure there are other things out there. I'm not the be-all, end-all when it comes to ant prevention. So if you got something else that works, let us know. But these are just things that I would have done and would do if I noticed ants in the tarantula room. And finally, this probably goes without saying, but uh, another quick uh, solution when you get ants is your vacuum cleaner. Grab your vacuum cleaner. I see ants coming in, vacuum the little boogers up, and I will admit I always feel terrible about it because the poor little guy just pitched them in the freaking dusty bag, but you got to get rid of them. So one trick, if you notice them, like say it's bedtime and you're trying to get rid of them or just to keep them the numbers down while the bait or whatever you sprayed outside takes effect, what you want to do is go in there and vacuum thoroughly. Vacuum all around all the edges, vacuum up the shells, vacuum around everything. Suck those little boogers right up, get them out of there. Plus, you never know. I mean, I know we've got the dogs, we've got, you know, I've got the tarantulas in there. I've got, it can get a little dusty. It can be places where, you know, sometimes the other day, for example, I found a dead cricket that escaped in the corner of a room. Didn't even realize it was there. I was just cleaning some stuff. I'm like, oh, dead cricket, which isn't a big deal, but that cricket dies and I have somebody snort in the background and I have tarantulas or ants coming in. They're going to gravitate toward that cricket. That's going to be something that's going to track them. So you want to go around, make sure you clean everything up really well, wipe everything down. You can use a solution. A lot of times it smells bad, but it helps. I use uh, white vinegar and water mixed together to wipe things down because I don't want to use Windex or anything like that or any, you know, harsh cleaners that could be uh, poisonous to the tarantulas. So that works well. Again, your room smells like a salad or something else for a little while, but it does the trick and then obviously air it out. But Again, you notice ants, the easy thing to do right off the bat, vacuum them up and get them out of the way. And we had that happen a couple weeks ago. I noticed a couple getting close to the tarantula room. So I, you know, I vacuumed up before bedtime. Then Billy, uh, my hero, luckily dealt with it in the morning. So there are some things you can do for the ants. Again, if you know, oh, and I should mention this probably is common sense, but I, I've heard of instances where people don't realize this. If you notice one ant in a tarantula enclosure, assume there are many more in the tarantula enclosure. And unfortunately, it's probably time to clean out the enclosure completely. I would not mess around with that. I just had somebody contact me and she was uh, freaking out because they had an avicularia, avicularia that had done some extensive webbing. They thought she was going to molt. But when they came and checked on her in the morning, she had molted, but there were ants in her enclosure. And they said, I, I know I'm not supposed to touch them when they might be molting, but I was afraid that the ants couldn't harm her. And uh, please tell me I did the right thing. And I said, you absolutely did the right thing. I do the exact same thing. It's, it, it comes down to, again, you know, you've got two crummy choices. One, you might interrupt her if she was getting ready to mold, although she, it sounds like she hadn't yet started the actual process, so that's fine. And you hate pulling a tarantula out or rehousing a tarantula that's already settling down for mold. But if she had left those little ants in there, it, it probably would have been ended in a devastating manner because once they molt and they're all nice and moist and they're laying there stretching completely helpless, that's like, it's like a buffet for a bunch of ants. So when you find them in the enclosures, the best thing you could do is take the spider out, get it into something that you can make sure there are no ants in it. 
clean out the enclosure completely, throw away the substrate, uh, wash down any cork bark, any water dishes you have. I would suggest even microwaving the cork bark to make sure there aren't any ants hiding in it because I have had they, all those little nooks and crannies in the cork bark make great little hiding spaces for things. I've even had issues when I've moved scorpions where you've got to, got to go through and clean out the, the little furrows because there'll be scorpions hiding. So make sure everything is completely sanitized. Put everything back in, put your spider back in, and then use one of those methods we talked about earlier to make sure that no more ants can get into the enclosures. That's probably the most prudent, most safe thing you can do. So again, if you find them in the enclosures themselves, yes, unfortunately, it's time for a rehouse. Yes, that can be a pain in the tuchus. If it comes down, you know, if the tarantula is in the middle of molting, I guess you could keep an eye on it. Obviously, you can't move it. That's that's a really crummy situation. But I think more often than not, what are the chances of actually finding the ants when the tarantula is molting? So hopefully that will help some people out because it sounds like, I mean, listening to Billy, it sounds like it's going to be a rather prolific year for ants and other critters. And hopefully that will help some people out and avoid the panic that they'll have something that they can do. Hopefully they don't discover them right before bedtime like I did because I'll tell you, I was miserable when I went to bed that night because it was a lot of, you know, not just the stress of it, but trying to, you know, vacuum and get everything ready and move these cages and do something with it was a real pain in the butt. So again, be prepared. That's the best thing, you know, if you're think there's ever a chance. I know the the individual I talked to was in Florida and it's probably a bigger deal down there. I'm up in Connecticut, but we still get ants and again, two different types in the last couple of weeks. So just be diligent, keep an eye out for them. And again, try not to don't bust out the raid inside. That will just probably result in a bunch of dead spiders. And while we're talking about pests that annoy us, we can talk a little bit about gnats. I've had some folks recently contact me with gnat issues. They've heard I'd had gnat issues. I think I talked about mostly on the podcast, not much on YouTube. It really wasn't a good spot to do it. And YouTube's just, it's, it's a different avenue. But talked a lot about it during the podcast because it was driving me flipping nuts. But to make a very long story short, because I'm sure all of you have heard the story before, I bought a bag of substrate that unfortunately came infested with fungus gnats. And we're talking hundreds upon hundreds of these things and they weren't going away. I've had situations before where I've got little fungus gnats in an enclosure and usually they die off and eventually they go, but these guys just kept going. One of the cages that was affected was my it was my emperor scorpions. I was trying to breed I had male and female and the female was bred and next thing I know it there was just the cage was full of them. So I use one of the things that you can use is they make this yellow sticky tape that, that attracts them. And I found that I could tape that up around the edges of stuff. Now, this was with scorpions because tarantulas you couldn't do this with because they can climb the glass. But with the scorpions, I could put it on the inside of the enclosure so that the things that would, they'd kind of scuttle around, climb up the side of the enclosure, get caught on it. If not, you can kind of put them above around a vent. Worked really well where they would come up with a vent. But I will tell you, there's no easy way to kill them. If it's a, a spider that you can dry out, that would work. I mean, you can dry out the substrate and they will die off. The problem is a lot of the times they're not going to be in the drier enclosures. They're going to be in the ones that are have the moisture-dependent species because they want that moisture. So you're kind of stuck there where if you have a species like an LV Elosophies that was starting to see them in, I can't really let that one dry out. So I was kind of stuck in that regard. So the thing that worked for me and it worked beautifully was the predatory mites. I ended up getting some predatory mites from a buddy of mine and Josh and 
to make you know to encapsulate i kind of used them accidentally he sent them to me i was trying to decide which cage i was going to introduce them to first and blah 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 well come to find out they had escaped the enclosure they were in and just basically swept through my collection so i there's a video of me on youtube where billy and i are rehousing one of my scorpion uh, centipedes and we noticed it's covered mites. I'm like, what is this? So we did a little research, figured out there were the predatory mites. They were right next to the centipede. They got into the centipede enclosure, which the centipedes were having difficulty, was having the issue with the gnats in with the centipedes. So it killed off all of the stuff in there. And then they just kind of swept through the collection. So within about a month, I didn't see any more of those gnats. Now, I've heard people say that the predatory mites – can be annoying to the spiders and they did the numbers did blow up and they were moving all over the centipede the centipede didn't seem to care i also saw them on one of my other i believe it was not the green but it was one of the l parahibanas had some of them crawling on but they didn't it didn't seem to be stressed it was fine it ate and then eventually when they run out of things to eat they die off so in my case, if you have a bigger collection and you have a huge issue with these gnats, that worked wonderfully for me. Like if it ever happens again, I'm gonna do I'm gonna get those mites. So my buddy will hook me up again and we're gonna put them in the enclosures and we're gonna get rid of the gnats. Because although they don't I don't think they pose any direct threat to the animals, it's unsightly, it's disturbing. I know with the scorpion, she ended up having her babies, the babies did fine, like it, it didn't cause any harm and hers was definitely the most, uh, that was the origin of the original infestation because I had opened up that new container, there were a couple other ones I used it for but they were dry enclosures so I didn't have the issue. Hers, it just kept coming. You get rid of a bunch of them and then what you don't realize is they've laid a bunch of you know eggs in the substrate and then next thing you know you have a bunch more again. They did fine. So they don't, the good thing is they don't seem to harm the animals. They don't even see, it was amazing because they were swarming around a couple of my specimens and they didn't seem to even acknowledge it. So it didn't even seem to stress them, but they're unsightly and, and nobody wants a bunch of gnats in there. I totally get it. And I was, I'll tell you, I was freaking out about this. Like it was getting to the point where we'd get them down. I would kill a bunch of them off. I'd be like, okay, maybe it's this is it, this is it. I'd come in and then just full bore infestation again. So Again, I would encourage folks to look into the predatory mites. The problem with those is if you have naturalistic or bioactive enclosures, I'm pretty certain they will go in and compete and kill the springtails and or if you're using isopods, they, I'm guessing they probably decimate the populations of those. So you got to kind of weigh that, you know, it's kind of, do you want the gnats? Do you not want the gnats? And I will say the good thing is I've noticed with the bioactive enclosures is I noticed a couple gnats showing up, some of the fungus gnats, but the springtails seem to outcompete them for the food. So you don't get a lot of them. I think in this other case, I wasn't using springtails or anything. That was part of the problem. There was plenty for them to eat. And I'm sure there was plenty of stuff in that substrate because I kept getting generation upon generation upon generation of them and wasn't able to kill them off. They weren't dying. So they were finding something to eat. So for the stupid little gnats, especially for folks that are using topsoil, because you never know what you're going to get in that topsoil, and that's how that's how I got mine. It was a bag of topsoil. The try drying it out if that works. You know, if it's a specimen, you can do that, or species you can do that with. If not, you can try tossing the substrate and getting new substrate. I mean, I will say that that helped with some of mine. I rehoused them, and it did cut down the problem. And some of the ones when I took away the substrate that was infected or came infested with them and replaced it. That did help a bit. However, with the scorpion, I tried that. It didn't work. Um, so 
you can try to switch out the substrate, if not the predatory mites. They worked wonderfully in eradicating the whole issue. So that would be what I would recommend. You can buy them on Amazon. I believe some companies that do like bioactive stuff may have them. They're using farming a lot as a natural type of pest control. So that's where you get them. So you, you can get a whole bunch of them, but just be aware. They're going to rip through everything. They're going to, you're going to see them a lot. You know, a lot of them, they're going to be kind of upsetting. These would also supposedly work for the grain mites. So people that are having grain mite explosion, Again, they should work for those. I would be a little careful about using them around tiny slings. I've heard they won't hurt anything, but again, they, they, you, you can get a lot of them in an enclosure in a short period of time. So I, I'd just be very careful there, but they worked great for me. I didn't have any issues. I didn't lose anything from them, and I got to sleep better at night knowing I didn't have to go in and, and try to deal with a bunch of disgusting little gnats. And finally, to end this one off, we're going to do a quick update on my Pisolotheria Metallica communal because I've had a couple people ask how it's going since the move. Now, just to update everybody, it started off with 10. Nine were confirmed alive when I did the rehousing. I couldn't – and again, the, all 10 could be there. It was kind of – anybody that's watched the rehousing video, it was tough keeping track of them. In my mind, it was like, all right, we'll count them as we move them. But with all the excitement of the moving, I lost track. Uh, I did move one of the smallest ones, the little tiny one, out because it just it was starting to look ridiculous. The thing wasn't growing very quickly, and she since molted. We'll say she. I'm just hoping it's it's molted again and put on a decent amount of size and eaten again. So that one's doing great. That one's by itself in one of those you know two and three quarter inch by two and three quarter inch by four and whatever inch. The AMAC boxes, I don't know the exact dimensions for. Now, the other ones I moved into an 8x8x12, not ExoTerra, this other, not even ZooMed, it's some other company that makes them, has a sliding top to get into. And I did kind of um, a bioactive setup with, I believe it had a Peperomia and a Wandering Jew in it. Peperomia is actually still alive, which is amazing because I've already killed one of these off. And the Wandering Jew, of course, is doing what the Wandering Jews do and wandering all of the enclosures and blooming, which is great. But people want to know about the spiders. The spiders so far are doing awesome. All of them have molted again, including the other small one, which I've tried to catch a couple times to get out of there. But it, it's it's doing well. I caught the other day. I dropped a bunch of crickets in. They were all eating, and there she was eating a little cricket herself. So she's doing perfectly fine. But they've all molted again, and there are some big ones in there. So we're now up around probably probably three and a half, four inch, right around the four inch mark. So I'm a little nervous now because this is where I've read traditionally people say that the Pisolotheria communals go well until they hit the four inch mark and then it's a bloodbath. And that's been in the back of my mind scaring the heck out of me. Because again, I don't want to do anything that's going to result in the deaths of spiders. And obviously if you've ever been on arachnoboards or anywhere else, people aren't, or there are a lot of folks out there that don't particularly warm up to the idea of communals. They, and I, and I understand it because I was in this camp for a while where it's why would you want to take the chance and waste the life of a spider needlessly by shoving them together but one thing I've learned and, and that's from the M. Balfouri communal is that when they do work they are amazing to see and these guys are still knock on wood getting along great you know the other day one of them went and a cricket went by one that was in pre-molt and didn't show any interest and the other one just kind of bumped it out of the way grabbed the cricket and they were fine there was no friction whatsoever they eat next to each other they eat, I told you I've caught the the little ones eating underneath the big ones so I've really seen no issues yet they hang out they kind of do the whole touching thing where it's not like ooh like I've seen the ones where they kind of tolerate each other and they sense another spider nearby and they kind of jerk their legs away like ooh it's one of them and they scuttle away or whatever these guys just slowly walk over each other they'll touch hands kind of like or touch hands yeah touch feet kind of like the balfouri would do and then just move on their merry way so so far so good they're getting along fine they're growing great 
I am realizing now that I'm probably going to have to rehouse them again sooner than later because they're putting on so much size. I'm not really looking forward to that. Although this enclosure should make it fairly easy to just kind of prod them out one at a time into the new enclosure. We'll see. We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. And at that point, they'll probably be going into a 12 by 12 by 18 fully bioactive enclosure. And hopefully by that point, they're doing great. Again, I've heard several stories about adults being kept to two, three, four years old with no issues with this species. It's the only reason I'm continuing it. So please understand it, it's experimental in a way only because I haven't done it myself, but it has been done before and I'm hoping it continues to go well because I, I will, trust me, I will publicly admonish myself if anything goes wrong with this thing. I will hold myself 100% culpable, but it, it was just such a unique opportunity to be able to try this out. And so far it's, it's been above and beyond what I was expecting with. I was expecting them to just kind of tolerate them each other, but they do seem to be getting along quite well. Just every knock on wood, Every bit as well as the Balfouri were. So they're doing great. So far, so good. I will keep people updated. I will probably try to grab that other little one out, which would leave the seven big ones behind or eight. I still haven't gotten a good count on them. I do think I'm down one, and I'm not sure it could have been one of the little ones because I think there was originally three little ones. I doubt it was eaten because the little one runs along with the other ones, and there's no problems whatsoever. I The other morning I got up, and I looked up at the shelf, and when I get down there in the morning, they're all like out in the open on the sides of the glass. And I saw the little one right next to a big one, and the big one kind of crept up to the little one. I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's, it's, it's hunting, it's hunting. And then the little one crept a little closer to the big one. I'm like, oh, gosh, gosh. And they kind of touched, he kind of put its foot out, the little one touched his foot, and then they just both walked away together. It was bizarre and great because I was panicking there for a minute. So, again, I'll keep everybody updated, but I, I will tell you it's quite breathtaking looking up there in the morning seeing all that blue because they're all sporting those blue colors now. Even that smaller one is starting to look a little bit blue, and it really is stunning to see that many blue spiders together. It's obviously something about the blue spiders, and there's something about communal spiders, and you put blue communal spiders together, and it's just amazing. So, fingers crossed it keeps going well, and I will keep everybody updated. All right, so that should about do it for this one. Again, summer's coming up, so expect them to get a little bit longer when I have a little more time. And this one actually went quite well. Thank you, doggies. Everybody in the background has been completely quiet for the most part during this one. There's only like four edits. This is amazing. So as I was explaining the earlier ones, I do these in my living room. And a lot of times it's me stopping and, and re-recording parts because there's dogs doing something in the background on my neighbors who have the loudest vehicles on the planet making noise. So this one went really, really well and smoothly. Yay! So hopefully we'll be able to do some longer ones once the summer comes up. I might move my operations up to the attic. We'll see how that goes. It's going to be hot as heck up there, but at least it'll be quiet. Hopefully it won't be echoey. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, that'll do it for this one. You guys can check me out on YouTube if you like the YouTube videos stuff. Um, I have my website for folks looking for information on tarantulas, which I do have a bunch of updates to make. I know I keep saying this. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and do it. And you can always catch me by email if you have a question. I will be throwing this one up on Facebook, so please feel free to comment. And I will be getting more active with the comment section on Facebook when summer comes. It's just it's kind of right now trying to figure out what I have time for. And I don't even think I'm going to get a video up today, even though I plan on getting a video up because I'm just not going to have the time because I have a bunch of feedings to do. So it's unfortunately busy right now, but summer's coming. I'll be more prolific during the summer. So as always, thanks so much for watching. I really do appreciate it. And I love hearing that people listen to these on their way to work or during their feedings or whatever. It really, again, it, it does my heart good to know that there's an audience for this. And it, again, the numbers have been growing. So we're finding more and more people, which is fantastic. So anyway, good night, good morning, good evening, and I'll catch you guys all next time.